0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Coach Speak. I'm Matt Seidel, along with fellow hosts Derek Seidel and Josh Trope. Derek, Josh, that time again. You, uh, you boys, surviving a weekend with your significant others out of town.
1: Oh yeah, you know it's always nice to uh, get to to play video games with my uh, old college roommates and, and my brother, and not have to be guilted out of uh, <laughs> out of stopping after a little while.
2: Wow! Wow! Yeah, Dana's not going to appreciate that comment at all. Um, But that being said, uh, I I did not enjoy it. I I like having my wife in town. It makes my job a lot easier. But I I did lay the law down this weekend. I I had Luke mowing the grass today. I had Zach helping with the dishes. Um, They both had to put their clothes away yesterday. You know, everybody thinks it's mom that lays the law down, but really in the Trope House, it's dad. And there's no question about that. Although Friday, I had to work all day. So my guess is the Trope boys were probably uh, playing video games with Derek uh, and his <laughs> buddies. <laughs> I think Derek worked Friday too. I could Oh, God. Okay. All did. right. Uh, hey, uh, Matt, I got to ask you, you don't get off the hook. I, I remember calling you, I believe Friday afternoon. And uh, I think you were, yelling at your significant other because she was vacuuming and cleaning and it was interrupting your tiger baseball i mean what I think, how does that, that work i
0: think that was saturday not okay. friday it was a oh, saturday okay. yeah i'm I'm on the phone I'm, I'm trying to watch a little baseball she's got the vacuum out i mean Derek was actually at the house then it's just totally inappropriate on her part but you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll work with her on that stuff but anyway good deal uh we we have another uh Earth shattering show plan for today uh, with Ann Arbor Huron Head Boys basketball coach Walid Samaha joining us in just a few minutes for what promises to be a stimulating discussion. Um, meanwhile, we're going to spend a little time filling a void in my life, and that's going to the theater and watching movies, which is something my wife and I uh, do a lot uh, in a normal situation. We obviously can't do that right now among other things that we can't do, like getting into a gym, which is a debacle. (laughs) But but I I digress. So instead, um, what we're going to do today, we're going to talk about movies uh, and do some evaluations. And I thought about ranking, having all of us rank our best sleeper or under the radar movies, especially after seeing a movie called The Last Word with Shirley MacLaine on either Netflix or Hulu the other night. Uh, Good movie, by the way even had Thomas uh, Sadoski in it, which is uh, Don Kiefer from the newsroom, you might recall. Um, I remember Don. He, yeah, yeah, he was he a great, great role in the movie. But, but we're going to keep the basketball theme, uh, at least for now, uh, and instead rank our top five basketball movies of all time. All, all three of us are going to rank our top five. You guys think we, we can do this? Yeah. Okay. All right. Hopefully you've, uh, you've given it a little bit of thought. So let's do it. Let's, uh, let's start with our number fives. And we'll move right
1: up the list and we'll alternate. Uh, Derek, we're going to let you go first. All right. So, my number five here this one is, I'll be honest with you, I don't know how high quality of a movie it is, especially (laughs) watching as an adult, but I watched it many times as a kid um, and I always enjoyed it. And that is Like Mike. Um, I don't (laughs) know. That one might be not one you guys expected, but that was was exciting. I've never even heard of it. (laughs) It's an old one. Um, Okay. It's about a, a kid. He he gets some old shoes that were supposedly Michael Jordan shoes, and he he tells him to make him like Mike. And the next thing you know, he's playing in the NBA, um, even though he's like you know a ten-year-old kid. So it's yeah, not not the not the <laughs> highest quality of a movie, but did as a kid, it, I really enjoyed it. Did it finish second in the Academy Award that year? Or... <laughs> I'm just curious. It's pretty <laughs> much
0: it's pretty much a movie for the simple-minded. But we're, we just okay, it, so.
2: okay. Yeah. It's yeah, number five. It's not
1: number yeah, one. Yeah, it's
0: right, number right, five.
2: Well, right. my, my number five has a little bit of meaning uh, for a few different reasons. One, uh, well, I should say what it is first. My number five is Glory Road. And it has some meaning to me because my first coaching clinic as a 22 year old in Chicago with Matt Seidel and Rex Stanzak, after the clinic, I went into the bar with Rex and had a few uh, adult beverages. With Don Haskins, who was the coach of that that UTEP team mm-hmm. that won the national title against Kentucky against Rupp's team, and the, the the movie's based on Glory Road, also which I did not know at the time, uh, Don Haskins started at a varsity as a uh, I should say a girls basketball coach at a high school before he be, he got the job in college. And as we know, Matt and I both coached some uh, girls basketball in our day, too. So great movie, obviously, especially with, with what's going on in the world right now, with all the injustices and the issues with race in our country, uh, a movie everybody should see. And sadly, I don't know if we progressed a lot in our country since the making of that movie or since that, those times, I should say, uh, we still are having a lot of the same issues they experienced back then. Yeah, in the 60s.
0: I missed the Don Haskins meeting for some reason that night. I think I was with my staff in my room, and we were kind of – we were all commenting on the, the new, <laughs> the new, the new snotty nose
2: young assistant that Rex had brought on. <laughs> but, you know, but, uh, it's
0: amazing.
2: And, and, uh, I do uh, want to point out that it was Texas Western, not UTEP. It turned into UTEP, yeah, but it was correct. Texas Western the time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So my number five, and uh, it, it, it's, it's
0: actually not appropriate for today, and it definitely isn't appropriate. It was, it was barely appropriate for 1992, but it is a funny movie and at the time was, was hilarious. Um, and it was uh, a movie called White Men Can't Jump, 19, <laughs> 1992. Uh, got Wesley Snipes is playing Sidney Dean. We got Woody Harrelson as Billy Hoyle and a great you know the two-on-two basketball. And they were con men, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was funny. It was a good movie. The, the quote uh, by uh, Kadeem Hardison was the the actor. Uh, the character's name was Junior, and at the very beginning of the movie, when when Harrelson's trying to trying to uh, con or, or hustle Sidney Dean, he's uh, he's singing, "We going, we going sizzler." <laughs> I, I say that all the time whenever we're going to Outback or whatever. I am always saying that, so that movie has just stuck with me for years. So that's my number five. That's my number five. So Derek, what do you what, what do
1: you got for number four? Actually, my number four is uh, Glory Road. So yeah, just just a high quality movie. Like Josh said, it's actually got some relevance with today. And um, I thought you know the basketball in, in the movie was, was pretty was pretty solid. And, and yeah, I, th- I thought it was a, a good movie.
2: All right, my number 4, we're going to stay with Woody Harrelson but a different movie, but he's not really the the main character. It's more Will Ferrell and that's Semi Pro. Um oh abs- absolutely movie. outstanding movie. Um and and you know, The Flint Tropics. I mean, you got to be one of your, your all-time favorite teams. Um uh, it's about a team trying to make it to the ABA uh you know the wrestling bears to get fans um i mean there's a lot of lot of stuff that we can't talk about on the podcast but but needless to say one of the funniest movies you'll ever see and and it is definitely a basketball movie and in that the flint tropics according to the movie there's the, the ones that invented the alley-oop it was unknown <laughs> to the world until <laughs> um, but just i mean great movie semi-pro we got a we got
0: a young man at our school, he'll be a senior in this name, uh, uh Joey Collins. He he wears the Flint Tropics jersey around all the time. It's just <laughs> it makes me laugh every time I see the jersey. But my number four, like Derek, so all three of us have this uh, movie there, is Glory Road. Uh, I mean, just a great movie, you know, uh Josh Lucas, it's Don Haskins, great job. John Voigt, underrated acting job. Uh, he he played Adolph Rupp, the racist Adolph Rupp in this movie yeah. and did a great job doing it. Derek Derek Luke was Bobby Joe Hill. Man, just uh it was good. My favorite quote from the movie, uh your dignity's inside you. Nobody can take something away from you, you don't give them. And that's that was that was the character Don Haskins saying that to his team. And that is relevant today. Um yeah, great movie. Uh it's timeless, it'll 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 be there forever. So two thousand six,
1: I think that was. So all right, we're uh, we're at round three, number three on our list. All right, for me, number three. Uh, this is another more of a kids movie. Again, I grew up with it, but it's going to be uh, Space Jam. It is a classic, obviously, <laughs> it um, as it was brought up recently with the, with the Michael Jordan documentary, and, and it was interesting to see all the pickup games going on with those guys um, during the making of it. And uh, yeah, just just a classic movie, you know, bring it bring it together. NBA players and uh, and Looney Tunes. And I'm curious to see how the, uh, the the LeBron sequel of it goes here in the coming years. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, Space Jam,
2: good movie. Did not make the list for me. Uh, Bill Murray, Bugs Bunny, and Michael Jordan just couldn't carry it for me. <laughs> but uh, I, my number three um, was one of my favorite movies as a teenager, uh, Blue Chips. Just outstanding oh, yeah. movie. Um, yeah. Great movie about a fictitious school of Kind of supposed to be UCLA, I'm guessing. Western U. They were the Dolphins. Shaq and Penny Hardaway were in it, just to name a few. I mean, there's all kinds. Bobby Knight coached the team in it. You talk about great basketball. They took all the best college basketball players in the country and first year pros and put them in this movie. I mean, the the games in the movie were unbelievable. Uh, Bobby Hurley played in the in the yeah. uh, movie for Bobby Knight. Um, I could go on and on, but the best part of the movie for me. Was the very end where uh, Nick Nolte, who did an incredible job of playing the coach in that movie, how he stood up and just said he was sick of the the boosters paying for players and fixing grades and how dirty college basketball was, which is. Also something we're going through right now with what, what's going on. I mean, seriously, with, with uh, you know, the Arizonas, the Kansases, the LSUs, you know, all these schools that are, you know, North Carolina got in trouble for fixing grades a couple of years ago. I mean, I, I don't know if anything's really changed there, but I loved how Nick Nolte went off and just lost it. And then when it went became a high school coach, and he's probably kicking basketballs into the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> he, he played the role really well, man. He yeah. Played- I just remember there's a, there's a, there's a player in
0: that, in that team that was flunking TV. I just want <laughs> to, it, it was a very good movie. Very good movie. So, it was. Yeah. Uh, my uh, number three from 2005 uh, is coach Carter and uh story of a, a true story. A high school coach uh, returned to his alma mater in, in Richmond, California and rich, what Richmond, you know, remember that uh, <laughs> brought some discipline to a, a struggling yet talented program. Samuel L. Jackson is a, uh, is Coach Carter Rob Brown's in there as a character? Channing Tatum is in there as Jason Lyle. Good, good stuff. There's a there's an end of the movie where Timo Cruz, a very cool character in the in the um in the movie, he uh the coach is always asking, him, you know, what is your deepest fear? And he just doesn't understand what the coach is asking him that for. And finally, at the very end, he stands up and he quotes a poem from Marianne Williamson. He says, "Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate; our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure." And he he actually goes through the entire first stanza of the of the poem. But good movie, uh, true story. It, it was pretty cool. So, very good movie.
1: Yeah. All right, we are we are at our number twos, Derek. All right, I know this one's gonna be coming. It has to be coming on my dad's list, but uh, uh, Hoosiers got the number two spot for me. Just got some classic lines again. I think this one is only on the list because my dad like forced me to love it um, as I was growing up. But uh, it's got just the the shoot the character of shooter is just outstanding, and I love to love to quote it all the time. You know, but my favorite is the identify <laughs> <laughs> firing off the gun. Um, but uh, but yeah, just a classic. The one thing that I guess would hold a pack for me is like just. Not the, the the whole passing it around and delay. It's just like, come on, man, we gotta we gotta play fast pace now. But, but uh, yeah, but that's the only thing holding it back. So I I'm I, you know
2: we'll we'll get through this, but I, I don't know. I don't. I'm dying to know what your number one is now. But uh, my my number two uh, has already been referenced. White man can't jump. Absolute classic great mm. movie you know obviously matt has already talked about all the things that are in it i just thought snipes and harrelson were such a great duo they played off each other so well but i, I the one thing that you already mentioned a ton about it but I, i'll tell you i thought um an underrated part of that movie is when they got woody harrelson's girlfriend on jeopardy and she <laughs> couldn't get anything wrong i mean she was just rolling i mean it was hilarious like she practiced for jeopardy her whole life in the movie it was just i thought that was a classic part of the movie um, but yeah, it, it, yeah, like you, you hit on everything else. But white man can't jump, classic. Some of the best
0: trash talking of all time during the basketball scenes too. I mean, it was like oh, yeah. totally inappropriate, but it was that's Rosie Perez too, by the way. That was yeah. his girlfriend. Yeah, she did a great job. My number two. I know this will shock both of you, but my number two, like Derek's, is Hoosiers, uh, 1986 wow. movie. Yes, and I there, there is no movie that I've watched more in my life been Hoosiers, it's it's clearly you know we've all three of us together at one time have been to the the Hoosiers gym in Indiana. We've gone to the the Butler Fieldhouse. We've I mean I I know every line every scene in the movie. Great movie. Gene Hackman is Norman Dale. Barbara Hershey. and My goodness. Dennis Hopper is the 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 actor uh, who who played Shooter. And and the quote identified. We, Derek and I we we say it all the time. But. Uh, look, Mister. There's two kinds of dumb. and George said <laughs> that, that, I mean, yeah. I can you know I used to have that thing on my desk for my students to see, and uh, that's probably not very appropriate either. But yeah, it's it's just a it's a great great movie. Probably uh, is you know past its time with with like modern modern kids, but it's still worth watching. So anyway, all right, we get to our
1: we get to our number ones. Derek, you're first. All right, my number one again, sorry to mention, but my number one is Coach Carter. And I like I've probably seen Hoosiers more than this. I've probably seen Space Jam more than this. But if I just had to watch, if you had told me I had to watch one basketball movie, that'd be the one I'd pick. Um, I, I know my dad, Matt. You already you already mentioned um, some of the the great scenes, uh, the 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 party scene too. And when, when the coach <laughs> catches them at the party, and I'm I am i will not even quote the line, but it's not necessarily appropriate. But that, that no, it's not against gets- me. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, just that—that's like the one I enjoy watching, uh, rewatching the most at this point. So
2: that's why it sits at my number one. Uh it's a good one. Yeah. Well, my my number one obviously is is Hoosiers. Um, unfortunately, you know, it's been proven kind of that it has not stood the test of time. It is definitely um, people that watched it in a certain era, and and to us, like like you, Matt, and me, and and people you know close to our age, I feel like it's one of those movies that will never. Be forgotten, and we'll remember every line and things like that. But Derek, you were my assistant. Matt, you went on the trip. When we we showed the movie on the bus to my my team on the way down to the Hoosiers' gym two years ago, and I think only one player, Quinn Starkey, had ever seen the movie prior to that, and. And I, I look halfway through the movie. I'm I'm getting into it. My assistants are getting into it. You know all the stuff. I turn around and look, and and I think ninety percent of the guys were asleep on the bus. And it's just, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those. But but needless to say, um, I wouldn't say it's not only the number one basketball movie. It is the, my favorite movie of all time. Period. And um, my favorite line you've nailed a bunch of them but my favorite one is when buddy uh fouls out of the semifinal game and coach looks down to him and earlier in the game he said i want you to think of him like chewing gum i want to know what flavor is and buddy just looks at him calmly and says dentine and that was that's just a classic so
0: oh man yeah that was funny so my number one and some people might even argue that it's not a basketball movie but this this probably combines my uh my life as a, as a writer and an English teacher with my love for basketball and coaching. And that would be a movie called finding Forrester from, uh, from uh, year 2000. And uh, I, if you haven't seen it, you should, I used to actually show it to my class. Um, I found a reason to, to, to be able to show it. It's a Sean Connery plays William Forrester. He's this eccentric reclusive novelist. And then uh, Rob Brown, who was in coach Carter, he plays Jamal Wallace. Who's this young gifted basketball player. Who's also a brilliant writer. And they kind of form this relationship, and uh, there's—I mean, it's just—it's a, a really, really well-done movie. The, the scene at the end, when uh, Forrester comes in and kind of stands up for Jamal Wallace in front of his his prep school, basically that he's kind of gotten in trouble with, and they didn't believe him about a certain instance—is uh, is pretty good. And then my my my, my favorite line from the movie is—and um, I use it all the time too—that that's not exactly a soup question, is it? That's something Jamal said to. William Forrester at the end, but it's, uh they talked about what a soup question was earlier in the movie and it just kind of keeps a, a motif during it, but classic movie, good one. So I, I, th- I think we
2: covered a lot of pretty good movies there,
0: by the way. Yeah.
2: I, I would say the only thing I'd like to add to this and I, and I almost put it on the list, but it's just not a movie, but something everybody should see is basketball diaries about the two kids in Chicago growing up thinking they were going to be D one guys. I mean that, have you guys seen that? Yeah, I have, and I, I don't. I don't know if I've watched it in its
0: entirety, but I have definitely seen bits and pieces of it, and it, it looks like it's pretty well done. I haven't yeah. seen that. I'll have to check
2: it out. And and if you haven't seen Finding Forrester, Derek, I, I gotta just don't don't watch that unless you're looking to fall asleep early, man. Oh, oh, my, dude, oh, my, I, oh that gosh.
1: was I'll, it's funny he put that on there because it's on my. That probably would have been number two on my list. But I disqualify it as not enough of a basketball movie. I yeah. love that movie; it's
2: great. The, oh,
1: oh Derek, so Derek, underrated!
0: Great Derek, movie. There, There's a there's an intellectual side that people oh. on that side will enjoy a movie like Finding Forrester, and then there's there's the non intellectual side. Uh, oh. that that's kind of what you got there from Josh. So that's, that's yeah, I, I
2: I think the, the listeners of this podcast, the ones I know, that that's not gonna that's not gonna you, fit do, to don't me. don't insult don't do not insult our <laughs> listeners. I give. I give more <laughs> Well, that, that, that
0: was uh, that was definitely a lot of fun. And, and, and speaking of fun, uh, let's uh, let's get to our special guest. We are now joined on coach speak by Walid Samaha, the head boys basketball coach at Ann Arbor Huron High School in 16 seasons with the River Rats. Uh, Coach Samaha's teams have won nine conference championships, seven district titles, and one regional. His 2010 squad reached the Class A state championship game. And who knows, his 2020 squad, which was 22-1 and one before the pandemic hit, was primed for another deep run prior to things getting shut down. Waleed, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. My pleasure, Coach. Hello to all of you, and thanks for having me. How are, uh, how are things going in your world right now?
3: I think just like everyone else, um, you know, making uh, sense of this new normal, right? Um, and and anticipating, you know, hopefully the opportunity to get back to our old normal <laughs> as best we can. You know. <laughs> that would be nice. Hey, let's uh
0: let's jump right into last season, March thirteenth, two thousand twenty, Friday the thirteenth. By the way, the big game in the area is supposed to be Huron versus defending Class A state champion Lincoln uh, for the district crown. we find out the day before that sports have been suspended. And then we find out three weeks later that the entire state tournament has been canceled. So kind of curious. I mean, what was that like on your end from from the time you had to let the guys know on March 12th throughout the next painful three weeks and then having to break the bad news to them?
3: Well, I, I think like everyone else, we were we were just learning about this pandemic all, you know, kind of all together. And at the time, I really thought I really did believe at the time that we would be out of school for a couple of weeks. We had spring break on the back end of it and that maybe in three weeks we'd be able to come back and maybe finish the state tournament. I, I really believed that. Right. But uh, here we are almost six months later.
0: I mean, was that was it your guys? Was it was it a range of emotions? I mean, when you finally had to break the news to him like, hey, we're not we're not going to be able to finish this. What
3: I mean, what I mean, different guys, different emotions or what was it like? Yeah. Well, what made it even what made it harder is this the the first time when we told them it was postponed, we were still all face to face. Yeah. When when we had to tell them it was canceled, it was, you know, over group chats. And I don't think any of us had really started Zoom meetings yet, you know, that that three weeks out, you know, but but uh, so it was all in our in our team group chat. And that that made it harder because you couldn't really be there for the kids and be there to, to deal with the emotions of it all, especially for the seniors.
0: How many seniors did you have? I know you had had
1: one in your starting lineup, but how many did you have total? We had four. Four, okay. Hey, Coach. So, not to be negative, but things really haven't gotten much better, at least from a basketball standpoint, since the gyms were closed five months ago. So, in terms of your summer, were you able to to do much with your guys outside, and how have you stayed connected with them?
3: Well, we've stayed connected, you know, in terms of, you know, being in, in our group chats and... Being able to participate in some of the Zoom meetings with a lot of our guys that have been involved with, you know, Elite Twenty Five, and having some face-to-face interactions with the guys uh, when we, we've been able to meet outside. Um, and I think what's been kind of a unintended uh, bonus from this whole thing is kids have started playing at parks and yep. uh, meeting up, yeah, yeah, meeting up with other kids from other teams and playing basketball as much as they can. Uh, so that's, that's been a good thing, but we haven't done any structured workouts as a team. You know, we don't have a lot of outdoor courts, n- none attached to our high schools. So it's basically finding the parks with the best regulation size rims that don't have, you know, triple, triple round rims. And, <laughs> you know, the, the post, the, the post the goal, <laughs> yeah, the, right. the, you know, right, connected right to the end of the end line. And so you're not <laughs> banging your ankle as you land. And- Coach, anybody that follows area
2: basketball knows that Ann over here on would definitely be in the conversation for a state title next year in Class A. I mean, this is a special group, uh, one we've known about for a long time, I feel like, coming. I feel like I've heard about this group for a while. And we're kind of getting pessimistic as a group. We don't really believe the season's going to happen. I think that's kind of where we're at, unfortunately. So I want to kind of reference something you've put out there on Twitter that I find fascinating and interesting and I'd like to kind of follow up on is, you're asking for the MHSWA to create a plan to make reclassifying possible can you kind of elaborate a little bit on that because I'm really interested in it and I just kind of obviously you probably put a lot of thought into it
3: so I'm interested in what you're thinking well i I, I share that concern that you guys have about us not having a season this coming school year uh, simply because we're we're so far along in this process and and we we still haven't made a decision about some of the fall sports and you know, <laughs> right. seeing football get get postponed and you know that was that was tough to see and then now seeing volleyball swimming and you know needing the indoor facilities to open. So I think a, a pretty good indicator of that will raise my concern is if they if volleyball and, and swimming don't get to have their season then I, I think we're on the clock and that, that makes me more concerned. I'm still hoping that, that they can get in the gym and they can get in the pool and, and that opens the door slightly for us. But if it doesn't happen, you know I don't know how far back you can keep pushing seasons. Right. So at some point you're going to have a group of seniors who are going to miss an entire year. And if you're a baseball kid or a spring sport kid, uh, you're going to miss two full seasons, your junior and senior year. And I think that has consequences. It has it impacts, you know, especially those kids that are thinking about wanting to play in college. Uh, they've missed multiple recruiting opportunities. Uh, and and we, I keep hearing about how we're living in unprecedented times. So I think we need to start making unprecedented decisions. I agree. You know, under normal circumstances, you I don't think reclassifying, you know, once you're already in high school, I don't think that's a great idea. But given the circumstances that we're all living in, I think for those individuals who choose that option, and I don't think a lot of people will choose the option, but for those who do want to pursue collegiate athletics, I think giving them the opportunity to finish their high school career with, you know, the the, the evaluation periods reopening, I think it gives them an opportunity to to reach some of their personal goals.
2: I I, I agree with you. I I have a few questions, in because I, I think it's a great idea, and so I'm assuming you this would be just a one time thing, right? I mean, this is this isn't something you'd like to see moving forward, like you're saying, five years. For every student, but for this group of senior or this group of kids in high school,
3: you'd like to see them be able to redo it, or is it just the seniors? Well, I would definitely start with just the seniors. I think if there's okay. if there's a way to do it for for everyone else, I, again, I I think what you don't want to get into is having multiple years where you where where you're bottlenecking at some point somewhere. Good point. Uh, yep. But def- definitely for the for the current seniors, it's and, something. You know, should-
2: the other thing I was going to bring up is, and you're being a counselor, you're you're probably more in tune with this than even I am, but. As an educator, I worry about all these virtual classes and, and even some good students really struggling. And I feel like this would also give them a little wiggle room if if online classes are tough it, you know, for seniors trying to get their scores up or their SAT prep that they lost in the spring and things like that. What do you, what do you think about that?
3: I think online, I think the virtual learning is going to be a, a great challenge for, for everyone. It's going to be tough for teachers. It's going to be tough for parents. Uh, it's going to be tough on kids, you know, and we know that, that you have to to adapt, you know, we're all having to adapt. I know, I know that that's something that we'll, we'll all have to do, but as someone who works with, with kids outside of the academic and athletic realm, you know, I see a lot of kids who, who struggle socially, emotionally with the regular routines that we have in life. And now with us all being taken out of our normal routines and, and, and life experiences, I, you're going to see that grow. Uh, you're going to see new levels of anxiety, depression, you're going to see kids dealing with things that, you know, on their own a lot because the, the resources aren't readily available because you can't just walk down the hall or you, the counselor can't just walk down the, the halls and grab the student from class. I think it's going to be a, a real challenge for us. And I just I worry about the impact of when you take sports away on top of the fact that we're not going to be in school. Um, yeah. That's that's one more thing that that takes them out of their routine and takes them out of their their opportunity to socialize with their peers, which is really an important part of development in high school. Well, all, all ages, but, you know, specifically high school.
0: Hey, let's uh, coach, let's shift gears for a second. So I'm, I'm always curious about the influences that shape individual coaches. I mean, I, I definitely know I, I've had mine over the years, but we, we all have systems that evolve over time. And we also adjust kind of the way we, we basically run our programs over time. Can you share some of the coaching
3: influences that you've had during your career? So, you know, it it really started for me when I was a a younger, um, I was still in high school, uh, actually ninth grade, I was exposed to Bo Schembechler and got- Go blue, go blue, by the way. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. And and Bo Bo was so much more than a coach. He was a, a leader and he was- he was a father figure and he was, he was demanding without being demeaning and he was tough as nails and he was consistent and he held guys to a really high standard and, you know, recruited to those standards, but he also built guys to meet those standards. And I think, um, as an educator and as a, as a coach, I think you have an opportunity to, to mold so many young lives, especially in their like formative developing years. I think it's, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, tremendous opportunity to impact a life and along the way if you can you know win some basketball games that's great but but really that's that's kind of where I've got my where my foundation was set as a coach and as a leader and as a as a mentor of young people
0: yeah it's not not a bad uh, not a bad role model by the way now you you also you started your kind of your coaching career as an assistant at Ypsilanti, you you worked under hey, one of the guys who I worked under, and is a huge influence on me, Bob Raleigh. I know you were with yeah. him for year, and then you were with Rex Stanzek for a couple of years as well. Yeah. what what did you what did you get from those guys? Because those are those are two guys that that are pretty
3: well known in this area, at least in the Ypsilanti area for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So so first with Bob Raleigh, he he uh, he was the the coach that I my first high school experience as an as an assistant was under Bob Raleigh, and and I didn't know at the time it would be his last year. Right. He uh, he to this day remains, you know, a good friend. And we've we've gone out a few times and golfed, and we've we've talked over the years and, you know, he he'll call and check on me and just to see how things are going with the team. And he follows our team. He's he again, just another, you know, important person in your path that that though we only coached together for one year, had a tremendous impact because he just he did things the right way. Uh, He cared about the kids. Uh, It was bigger than basketball for him. Mm-hmm. and uh, and it and it just it just remains a, an, an important you know figure in my life and just grateful for that experience and then when when he retired I was 21 years old and didn't know anything about anything and so you know to to have Rex come on to be the coach at Ipsy and I was fortunate enough to stay on with Rex And and you guys know Rex well and you know he's you know tremendous coach knowledgeable just a, a really a really good person in the field to know because he's He knows the game. He knows kids. He understands, you know, what the important parts of, of this whole experience. And, you know, we, we talked early on, we talked early on when Rex was coaching. And I know at one point he wanted to coach in college, but I think he realized this is kind of where, where he belongs. And I think all of us have dabbled in college or thought about college. And, you know, he certainly found his place in in mentoring young people and had a great impact on my life. And we have had some rivalries there along the way with Huron and pioneer, but, uh, you know, remains to be somebody I just have great respect for.
0: Cool, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so important, man, for like a young coach to get get underneath. You know, somebody with some experience and a dynamic coach. I mean, I, I had the same, you know, privilege with Bob for sure. And you know, Derek, I worry about. You know, his early experience with with Coach Trope. So we, <laughs> sure. it remains to be seen how that's going to shape him the rest of his life, or you know, whatever. I, I, he's trying to shake it off. But hey, I'm I'm curious about a couple more things. So. Your that two two one system, you know, that trapping defensive system that you, you became famous for and you might not even use it as much anymore from what you've told me the last time we talked. But you I mean that that was did you kinda of, is that a hybrid of, of a of the negotiation system or where did you come well, up with that? Because
3: it, that was unique. Again, I think I think as a coach you, you always are looking for ways to to stay fresh, to stay new, to evolve and to, to try to learn as much as you can and and Tom Tom Negoshin, who again is another one of my mentors and great friends, and you know we were able to golf together a few weeks back. is it, it, has been he's a mentor for a lot of guys. So I'm not saying anything, you know, you know, uh, earth earth shattering here. He just he just opened up his entire playbook and said, Hey, anytime you want to come by and, and talk about this, let's let's do it. I watched his teams play and was really imp- impressed with how hard they played and how committed they were to their defensive system. And so I wanted to go and learn it he opened up his doors. Um, I spent a full year learning it, practicing it, and then decided to bring it to our team. And, and you really have to have a special group of kids that embrace an entirely new style of play um, and having leaders like AJ Matthews and, and Kyle Baker and, and Mike Lewis and Dante Williams. And just that whole group, you know, I could go on and on uh, Matt. Hastings, Matt Hastings, that whole group embraced that style of play and and decided to just make it a fun way to play defense and, aggressive and and flying all over the place and and I know to to the to the naked eye it looks like they're just running around crazy and no it doesn't
0: I I for one Waleed wish you never would have met Tom Negoti I think it would have made (laughs) everybody's life a lot easier in this area you you would have had to you know I just uh go at everybody straight straight and vanilla but that that definitely changed things quite a bit so that that was I mean that obviously was a positive influence anything from your Michigan year I mean that you too many guys get access to a Division One program for you. you, you ha- I'm sure you brought some things back uh, from that as
3: well. Absolutely. I mean, when you, when you spend time with John Beeline, who is like absolutely one of the greatest minds in basketball, you know, like you hear this all the time. You know, we're all playing checkers and he's playing chess. It's, <laughs> it's a different – it's an entirely – he's playing an entirely different, you know, higher level game. And, and he sees the game in ways that a lot of us just don't see it. And, and one of the things I really appreciate about Coach Beeline is how willing he is to to mentor and teach. I mean, his, his practices were always open. Guys were always hanging around, asking questions, and he, and he would do the best he could with the time he had to offer insights into things. But to spend intimate time with Coach Beeline, it w- was tremendous because I got to watch him run a program. I got to watch him lead uh, um, a huge organization, Uh, multi-million dollar organization uh, with with the stakes being as high as they can be in sports uh, outside of professional sports and he did it with such class he did it with you know character he did it with just consistency and and he just did it with with good people and he, he always recruited good people and hired good people and and i think you can you can win that way and he proved that yeah,
0: Beeline and bow and negotiation system. I feel like you're cheating a little bit. So I'm not feeling in my mind, but I'll I'll leave it at that.
3: No, just 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 one of the lucky <laughs> to, to be able to learn from tremendous, you know, tremendously yeah you know, guys that have, have, you know, not just impact beyond our local area. Just great people. Hey, Coach. So
1: speaking of your time at, as the double at Michigan in 2016-17, you definitely must have had some great memories, especially winning the Big Ten tournament and reaching the Sweet 16. But you also experienced something that I'm sure must stick in your mind forever, um, and that's the incident when the team airplane slid off the runway at Willow Run Airport as you guys were taken off for the Big Ten tourney. Do you mind describing that experience for us?
3: Sure. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, you you, you hear about, hear when people talk about surreal moments and um, kind of out of body experiences. And that was, that's definitely one of them. It was, if you remember that day, if you go back, it was a really windy day, warm day. If I remember if it was, it was a warmer, warm day for March. And the winds were just howling um, like 60, 70 mile per hour winds. And we actually practiced that morning and the power went out at Chrysler uh, because of the winds. And so we practiced with the lights off. Basically the only part we we moved our practice to the side of the gym where the light was shining through a window and then we had plans to to take off that afternoon again I I state you know as the director of operations my job is to make sure you know everything's running smoothly and and on time and I'm in constant communication you know literally with the FAA that day uh, because we were worried about flights being canceled and delayed and they kept giving us reassurances. Yeah. Everything, you know, they're flying out of Metro. Everybody's there's no, no flights have been canceled. And so we just proceeded with our day. Uh, We're on the runway, literally on the runway with, with the plane ready to take off. And the wind is like moving the plane, you know, Mm. when you're, you're moving side to side, you know, two to three inches in each direction. And, uh, but I, you know, come to find out it really had nothing to do with the wind. There was a, you know, a a mechanical issue and, and they got that, you know, kind of sorted out you know the the folks that deal with all that but for us it was you know you're going down the runway like a normal takeoff and then next thing you know you're skidding across gravel and then you're skidding across grass and you're looking you're you're looking out the window and you go through a fence (laughs) like (laughs) and 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 thankfully we hit an embankment because I'm not sure how much further how much room we had beyond that embankment and then we were in some I get marshland i guess i don't know what it was but um it could, could have been really bad and, and thankfully we we got everybody off safely and you know you're 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 kind of first first thousand feet you're kind of running away from the plane because you don't know what's going to happen next and you, you turn around and you look back and go wow we were just on that thing and now half of it's like on the road mm. but but thankfully you know there were minor injuries and you know we had to scramble right away because you know the team had to go back you know we had, we put a team we put the team back in the hotel and I got together with with uh, our athletic director and uh, thankfully the Pistons offered their plane and uh, the very next morning we took off uh, about seven fifteen a.m and we landed uh, in in Washington with no police escort because you're not allowed to have police escorts in Washington wow. so we yeah we had to find the way we had to find a way to the arena. We had to find our way to the arena. The guys run out guys run off the bus, go into the locker room, and we had about forty minutes before tip off and we go out in our practice jerseys to play the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Goodness. Yeah.
0: You played pretty well that day though. Yeah, me. we did. Yeah, we
2: yeah. did. Yeah. Um, coach, there's a lot of high school coaches that are listening to this, especially young guys like Derek that would probably give an arm or a leg to be a D one college assistant, like on like B lines. Um you politely resigned from the Dobo position after one season and returned to Huron. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you mind sharing what went into that decision?
3: Oh, it was, it was very clear for me that that what I needed to do because I, I'm a coach and the job that and I I'm, and I'm I'm grateful for that. That was an, a tremendous life experience. And Coach Beeline is we keep in touch regularly, and and he and I had some you know very emotional um, talks about. You know my decision to to go back to coaching and he was just incredibly supportive, understood and and he just knew like you have to live your life you have to live what you're passionate about and and he helped me to see kind of where where really where I need to be um and and we talked about assistant coaching in college and he offered like look if there's a job out there that you want, you let me know and and you know we'll get on the phone with people and uh, we'll, we'll you know we'll do whatever we need to do to help you make that happen but it was, it was more about me just wanting to, to, to live out my true purpose, which is to to teach and coach and mentor young people. And, and I'm glad I did it. You know, I'm glad I went to Michigan. I'm glad I came back to Huron and, you know, the, the life experience that you get from something like that is is something you take with you forever. And I take a lot of what I learned at Michigan into what I'm doing at Huron now. You know, we're, we're doing things at Huron now that we didn't do before I went to Michigan. Right. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And and like
2: you said i mean if you didn't do it you probably always wonder too
3: Yeah, you know yeah, yeah.
0: so so you come back to Huron but one of your former guys jay shunar is is still coaching the boys program and instead of uh you know playing big man on campus and kind of pushing him to the curb you uh <laughs> you decide to take over the vacant Huron girls job and promptly go 18 and 2 and win a sec red division title what was that
3: experience like for you coaching the girls it was well so so let me back up just once one one step before that, so the plan when I came back to Huron was I wanted to come back and and I was going to assist Jay, and and I was going to be on his staff and help him grow into you know the the the, the leadership role that he wanted to have uh, as a high school coach. And literally the first day of practice, girls practice, uh, you know, they started I think a week before the boys that year. Yep. And that Monday, I got a call from Dottie can you come down to the office? I need to talk to you. And I come down and she said, uh, we our our girls coach has taken another position and, um, you know, we're kind of stuck right now. Would you mind leading the girls team just for a few days until we, until we hire a coach? And I said, you know, Dottie, of course, you know, anything for you. I mean, that's, Dottie is one of my favorite people on earth and so I go into the gym. How, how what time's practice? It's you know, four o'clock. So I literally <laughs> had I, I had about 30, 40 minutes to put a practice plan together and get down to the gym. And so we started practicing. You know, Monday becomes Tuesday, Tuesday becomes Wednesday. So I'm I think I'm <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I think the girls are are learning and having a good time and enjoying it. And I, I go see Dottie after practice and I said, Dottie, so where are we with the new coach for the girls? And she said, she said, uh, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I, I said i said dottie you can't you got to be kidding me the boy season starts next week i can't i can't do both and she's like well we kind of feel like we want you to be the girls coach this year and then just do it for one year and see what happens and so i i did and i learned so much about myself i learned so much about the girls and they were they were incredible i loved, i to this day and they're are a lot of them are seniors and they just graduated and and uh just glad I get got to be a little part of their their path uh and their growth. And their a couple of them are playing in college and a few of them are. And uh, we had a great year. We started the year. <laughs> we we're playing DEPSA in game one. DEPSA, yes, which is like it's number it's one dead. number one team in the country. You know? <laughs> number one team in the country, and they and they've got they've got they're just loaded. And we lose by 22 points. And uh I'm walking back to the locker room. <laughs> and Dottie says, Hey, hey, just be patient. They'll be all right. They'll be all right. They'll be all right. And I said, no, I, feel, I, I really think we played well. And she's like, you never said that when you lost a game with a boy. <laughs> and, I, and I said, no, listen, I'm telling you, this team's going to be really, really good. And then we went, we won 21 straight games before we lost again.
1: Wow. Wow, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Coach, so when we had Julian Lewis on the show last month, Coach Chopin was making fun of the fact that here on <laughs> Um, has what appears to be the largest coaching staff <laughs> in the state. Uh, J- Julian explained things for us, which was good. Uh, but we still want to hear about some of the key assistants who have um, been with you, most of your 16 years. So,
3: there. so everyone on our staff has been with us from the beginning, and and three of the guys on our staff are former players who were with us from the beginning. So, so let me just explain it to you, so it makes a little bit more sense. We have seven coaches, and we all coach here on basketball uh nine through 12 freshman jv varsity any coach can walk into any practice at any time and direct a player or coach a drill or put input into what's happening in a scrimmage and every response from every player is yes coach and that's that's it there's no there's no you're the freshman coach or you're the jv coach there's none of that so our freshman and jv practice together and then our varsity practices in the dome. So we, we kind of all go at the same time, but our, our, our freshman JV coaches sit on the varsity bench because every player that's in our program has been on their team. So mm-hmm. those are their guys too. And so it's, it's amazing that the continuity that you can have. And I think that's what probably is the, is the, the, the best part of having the staff together is the voices are pretty consistent. And then there's, you know, then there, there's a, there's a, there's a pecking order, of course. And, Certain coaches are only going to talk about certain things. And then obviously everything funnels up to me, and then I have to make the decision. But having continuity has just been great. Marcus Edmondson, we've been together from day one. Daryl Hayes came on in like year two. Mike Lewis has been with us 12 years. Eric Rideout played for us and on the 03 team and has been with us since he graduated college. Mo Kisham has been with us from the 03 team and came back to us when he graduated from college. And Zach Dupree played with us uh, through 07, graduated, and came back to us after he spent a couple of years with EMU in, in athletics um, and then came back came back to us about six years ago. What I also think is you know, fascinating and a credit to what you built
2: um, in your time there is that they all stayed when Jay took the job. And, yeah. and that just tells you that you created that family culture that yeah. they were going to support whoever took that. I thought that was really unique and special.
3: Yeah, yeah. We, we, we brought Jay on. The year before I took the Michigan spot, the position at Michigan, Jay came on. And, you know, we had had some discussions about which there was a job that he had applied for and they had offered it. And I just told him at the time I didn't think that was a great job for him that he needed to come to Huron and spend some time with me. And then we'll see where things go from there. And obviously we saw where things went from there for him. He he, he took over for me and spent two years and and kept the program right where it was. Uh, they were 34 and 10 under him. And then he went on to Michigan for a year and then uh, went on with the Cavs where he's at now. So, you know, um, coach, you're as well-respected and well-known
2: at this point as as anybody in the state of Michigan, not only for what you've built at Ann Arbor-Huron, but your work with E25, your work with reaching higher. I mean, you've given back to the game in so many ways and you stay Involved in so many ways, even off the court, and um, I, as somebody that coaches, you know, I have a great appreciation for all the time you put in. But right now, it, if you looked at social media, you might be the second most famous Samaha in the house because your son Adam, right now, I mean, he he is unbelievable. That leg of his, I mean, I, I watch these videos of these sixty-yard field goals on a regular basis. I mean, it is he is special. You know, can you kind of walk us through his progression as a kicker and and how he's gotten to this point? I mean, he's he's got to be one of the best kickers in the country right now.
3: Yeah, he's he's. I'm Adam's father, by the way. Yeah, um, what, yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm, yeah, some, you guys might know me as Coach Samaha, but most <laughs> most, most of the world knows me as Adam's father. Um, he he's he is um, he's worked really hard um, to to become that you know that that good at, at what he does, uh, which is is he's so he's a football basketball guy. He loves basketball and he'll play and and he'll be a part of our program and and contribute in the way he can. But as a, as a, as a kicker, he's really taken off and it didn't even, it didn't happen quite the way we all thought it would because he was playing, he was playing football. Uh, He played receiver, he played quarterback, he played safety. He was kind of all over the field. He got a concussion as a nine-year-old, which um, ended his season. And, you know, my wife, you know, the boss, decided that, you know football was going to be done for a while he can come back to it later so he played soccer played soccer went from 10 uh 10 11 and then 12 came back to football as a 13 year old played receiver quarterback safety all that stuff and then he also kicked and he really liked kicking and got really good at it and he had spent a few time a few years just kicking field goals on the side after you know playing soccer but then he just took off with with you know field goal kicking and and uh it's become his kind of his specialty and he's done really well with it
2: that's an understatement (laughs) yeah yeah i mean does he have any division one offers right now or anything like that out there
3: so it the way they do kicking is a little different okay they they, and 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 as a ninth grader he's not going to be you know somebody that they recruit right away i mean they're still looking for development and you know, he's going to get bigger and stronger and whatnot. But he's been followed by quite a few of the, the top programs in the country, and, and we're def- familiar with them, and they're familiar with us. And that's that's kind of where the process, I think, starts.
2: That's really cool. And then on top of it, you're going to get, like you said, get a chance to coach him in, in basketball. And and I've seen him play basketball, too. He's pretty good there as well. I, I've seen him play for your travel teams with, with Coach Moffitt and, and things like that. I, I think he's going to help you more than you realize. but <laughs>
3: um, But obviously, he's got quite the leg there. Yeah, I think. I mean, he's he. What I what I've tried to do with Adam, and I think as a parent, I think it's really important to 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 do this with your own child, is to teach him to figure out what what he's really really good at and what he's um, what he enjoys, and then what he really wants to improve on. And I think as a basketball player, he's starting to really learn who he is. You know, kind of what his body, is, what skill set he has, and how he can help a team. And, and just kind of keep him, keep him grounded, just, you know, head out of the clouds with all that stuff that you know, it can distract you.
0: So, uh, Adam's father, uh, we, uh, we referenced your social media earlier uh, when we talked about reclassifying. But it's also obvious that you have some strong opinions about the uh, social injustice in our country right now and how it affects the, the mental health of young people. You tweeted a few days ago. I'm going to read this. It says, uh, Black Lives Matter is a belief. It is not a movement, a hashtag, or slogan on a shirt to make you feel woke. As a teacher, coach, and parent of black and brown boys, I worry about the ongoing trauma our children experience. It is overwhelming and impacts their mental health. And, uh, man, I mean, those those are some profound words during a, a pretty unstable time. Do you mind uh, kind of breaking down the, the thinking behind that tweet and perhaps share some of your thoughts on what's going on in our world right now?
3: Yeah, I think – what what triggered that for me was watching doc Rivers speak the other day and i think yeah. you know his his emotion and i think it was coming from being a parent and just it what we're seeing happen in this country right now is is i think we're at a tipping point i think we're at a we're we're in and, and, and it, this probably wouldn't have happened had we not been in a shutdown in a pandemic because what typically happens in this country is you know, we live in that twenty you know twenty four hour news cycle, and it would just been another. It would have been another you know horrible incident, and then we would have moved on with our lives. And I think that the pandemic forced us to sit for the first time and and look and reflect. And I think what we're seeing is just this long history of this kind of brutality for Black and Brown folks, and it's been going on for centuries. And in this era of social media. We keep seeing these images. Um, they play them on the news, you know. Certainly, but I think most most of our young people are so connected to their social media that they 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 continue to see these images over and over and over, and it and it's traumatizing. It it really it reinforces their fear of police. It reinforces their their feelings of not being safe. It reinforces this idea that. We don't live in a country that values them or that views them as important. Um, and and these are kids that I, I teach, I coach, I'm raising. Um, I have daily interactions with their families and, and it's, it's an ongoing experience. It's something that they're experiencing on a daily level. And it's been happening for years, decades, centuries. And I think it just boiled up this summer um, with George Floyd and, and all the things that, that we you know we saw happen with the protests and um, and I'm just I'm just concerned that the more and more they see the more and more trauma they experience and um, and it's just it's concerning because it it creates a hopelessness that that we don't want in our young people. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, man. Well, hey, Walid, it's it's always
0: a pleasure talking with you, and we uh, we really appreciate you taking time away from uh, your off season honey do list or whatever uh, wife Sherry had planned for you today. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no we 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 we've we got a pretty good uh regiment here she keeps us uh, keeps us in line good deal <laughs> well anyway take care and we uh we definitely hope to see you on the court this winter thanks so much guys let's hope we can uh we can all get back there all right take care
0: all right well hey as uh as we we knew it would be always always good and uh and um i guess uh entertaining talking to coach maha also very informative good stuff that i still i got i got kind of some goosebumps talking uh, when we were talking about that that plane uh sliding off the runway I, i'm sure glad i wasn't on that plane i don't know i would have been grabbing someone's hand or something that would have been a tough one but anyway that was uh, a good interview and fun to do um we're going to we're, we're not going to we're not going to go much further. I, I will say this. It is uh, it is, it is Sunday when this thing comes out. It's going to be Monday. Uh, I am hoping tomorrow we we hear some good news from the governor's office that allows the MHSAA to open things up for uh, the remainder of our fall sports. Because if it doesn't happen within the next two days, we are going to be probably without volleyball, soccer and swimming in the fall. They'll be pushing those to the spring. And complicating things even more, so let's uh let's keep our fingers
2: crossed. I am not confident that we're going to get that news, but I'm definitely hopeful. So, you know, I'd like to add that um, our listenership is really rising and, and taking off, which is awesome. I, I'm, I continue to get texts and, and emails from people that are really following the pod that enjoy it. Um, I, I just ask that if you're one of those people listening right now, please subscribe, um, you know, give us a review on pod on Apple Podcasts, and not only that, but Retweet us, get us out there on social media, you know, continue to help us uh, to gain more followers and through, you know, the book, the gram, Twitter, whatever it is. Um, And those of you that have been loyal listeners, we really appreciate it. And, and
0: and one last thing we're always looking to for for ideas we we have a schedule and we we've, we've scheduled guests and we have some ideas of you know moving forward probably two or three weeks down the road but if there's ever a topic that you want us to talk about or address or maybe a guest that you want us to have feel free to share that with us through a direct message or either either right on Facebook Instagram or or Twitter and we'll uh, we'll definitely consider it and have some dialogue about it so Well, that does it for this episode of Coach Speak. Uh, Derek, Josh, nice job once again. And good luck during your upcoming four-day work week. Those are always nice. You get two of them in a row, actually. We also want to thank everyone for listening. And we look forward to next time when we talk with Belleville High School head girls coach and the CEO of Lady Ballers Insider, Jason Wilkins. Until then, stay safe, mask up, and peace.